Hello, Solving Water listeners. I'm excited to bring you the 2022 iteration of our annual WefTech series. We're covering all new topics this year, including the importance of pipeline condition management in water utilities, plans that the Water Environment Federation has for the coming year, the work being done to highlight women and the critical role they play in the industry, how the water sector is prioritizing young professional development, and many more. Join me in tuning into this series for all these interesting conversations featuring ideas, news, and activities that are shaping today's water industry. Wow, what a pleasure it is to have Ifitayo Venner on Solving Water. Thank you so much for being here and congratulations on being the president-elect for the Water Environment Federation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We are also a senior vice president at Arcadis, which mm-hmm. from your website is the world's leading company delivering sustainable design, engineering, and consultancy solutions for natural and built assets. And I have so many questions <laughs> for you, so it's tough to know where to start. But for my benefit, as well as our listeners, could you start by giving your background, how you got started in the industry? Right. Okay. So my background, I was born in Jamaica. I grew up in first Jamaica, then St. Vincent, and then I spent most of my high school, well, actually most of my schooling years through high school in Barbados, and then I finished up high school in Jamaica. So I say I'm from the Caribbean, but mostly Jamaica. I spent a lot of time on the beach. My mom had a, like a clinic that was uh, right, right across the street was the beach. And so on the weekend, because she would work half day Saturday and sometimes Sunday, we would end up at the beach after. And so that's, I grew up on water in various parts, whether mostly Jamaica, sometimes I, you wouldn't always turn on the tap and have water come out. And so I have recollections, not, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, you know, we'd get up in the morning and you fill little containers of water because you're not sure if you're going to have water. And often that was the case for the entire day. And so you get real comfortable with taking your bath out of a little container and all that kind of stuff. And so you just really start understand the value of water. You know, Barbados is pretty uh, low-lying, and so climate change was already an issue back then um, as I was growing up. And also I would notice that the beaches that I would grow up on, each year it just seemed like there was less and less of it. And, you know, talking to folks, you know, me being curious, asking questions, it was that a lot of the pollution off of the coast, whether that be, you know, sewage there or the cruise ships sort of emptying their waste into the sea would damage the coral reefs, which was really between climate change and that impacting the beaches. And so kind of became a little bit of a mini environmentalist. I think my mom thought I was going to like become Greenpeace and she'd see me tied to like some tree or something. And... She really wanted to foster my love of STEM. Uh, My grandfather, he went and did a PhD in chemistry. He was probably one of the first in my family to do that. And so I grew up him giving me chemistry sets and all those things. And his, his thing was really trying to get folks in the Caribbean and a lot of developing countries to get the tools to solve their own problems. And so kind of melding those things together, they were both like, you love solving problems, you love math, you love science, instead of maybe your angle is to solve the problems that you're seeing uh, and that's where you know you should go and so I started hearing about like engineering she found like a second cousin who worked at the coastal conservation project unit he took me one Easter to spend time at his work which was on the beach and all the engineers were there they wore shorts and they would go scuba diving and snorkeling at lunch and I was like this is the best job 
I need to do this. Of course, I don't. Uh, and we don't all wear shorts. But if you look on the floor, there probably are some that, that wear shorts. And so, you know, that's kind of what inspired me to be an engineer, going to school and then kind of sitting in an environmental engineering class. And they were talking about wastewater and how you clean the wastewater and that, you know, protects your environment and whatever. And I was like, yeah, this sounds good. I, I kind of want to do this. So that's, I love that story. It's <laughs> cool. A really a cool way to get introduced to the industry. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Arcadis does? Yeah. So I, I think you use the or the terms that I'm curious about are natural and built assets. Right. So if you could just yeah, and clarify. I think it's it's they really are about infrastructure. And so I think the natural part is our natural environment, the water, and so on. Their roots are Dutch. And so the Dutch have a history, obviously, of living with water and having to manage water to protect their country, it being so low-lying. I actually started with a company that was acquired, and most of what they did was water. And so I started in New York. I don't like cold, so that didn't last very long. I moved to Florida. But I started in their water business, and so obviously the natural component of that, but they are built assets related to that, the infrastructure that we have to build, whether it be the treatment plant, the, the pipes in the ground, all of those kinds of things. And that's really been my background. Um, so I sit within our resilience water part of the business, but we do things that also built environment, which is highways, roads, you know, our mobility practice. And then we do a lot of work around environmental restoration and you know remediation and those kinds of things as well. But again, my focus is wastewater for the most part. And I spent a fair bit of time around sustainable infrastructure design. So started trying to get our design folks within the business to design their area of water more sustainably. So I do a little bit of both of those things. Cool. I'm gonna switch it up a little bit yes. and talk about WEF. Mm-hmm. I know you've been on the board of trustees in various capacities for the past five years. Give us the story of how and why you joined WEF and how you decided to become the next president of the organization. All right, that might be a a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. I, so again, having not grown up here and my undergraduate degree was actually in Canada. And I ended up here after I graduated from Stanford and I showed up at Malcolm Purney at the time, now Arcadis in White Plains after I'd gotten my job. And somebody said to me, you need to join these two organizations, AWWA and WEF. I did start off with both. I mostly focused on WEF because I bore on the wastewater side and I've always found it to be, for the most part, fairly welcoming. But they said, you need to join WEF. And my first conference, I think, too, was NUIA. And I remember going in, I was like, nobody around here looks like me or anyone that I grew up with. And I almost kind of wanted to turn around and go back the other direction. But I sort of pushed through. And that's when I realized that the folks at Water and the folks in WEF and their member associations are some of the most amazing people that you will find that have a passion for water that just keeps you going. And so that was kind of how I sort of got involved when I somewhere around five years or so into my career, maybe six, I don't know, kind of lose track. But I got a paper, a mentor sort of said, hey, you're gonna do a paper about this project. And that's when I showed up to WEFTEC. And I was like, I gotta figure out how the heck I get to come back here every year. And so talking to folks at the office when I came back, they were like, okay, if you can demonstrate value to your career and also to us, we'll continue to send you back, um, but you have to get involved. And so I started getting involved in 
our Municipal Resource Recovery Design Committee, which really covers a lot of the wastewater treatment side and recovery, resource recovery, and then also a sustainability community of practice. That's kind of where it started, because then people will be like, oh, you, like, you're, you actually get stuff done, so here's some other stuff. As part of a volunteer of the future task force, eventually I was chair for the sustainability community of practice um, and had opportunity to put a few things in place, and then I became a COP director. And along the way, kind of met more and more people and got involved in more WEF stuff. And Rick Warner, who's a president, just as I, I feel like sometimes there's spies at Arcadis and at WEF that just when I'm finishing something or thinking, what the heck am I going to do next? Somebody just shows up and is like, have I got a thing for you? But Rick Warner saw me at a conference and he said, you want to, may want to consider going on the board. And I was like, the board? They would never select me. That's this thing, uh, you know, up there. Uh, and he said, no, I think you'd be really good. And I was just coming off wondering what was next. And I decided to put my hat in the ring. And lo and behold, they called and said, yeah, we'll like to have you. And some of the best people. And, you know, I've been on other boards and it's a little bit less work, but the impact is less on this board you know you do have to go to some of the member associations and that can take some time and you know we do put in some work but the impact that I've been able to have and you see all the other folks on the board have been able to have is just priceless because when you do a project it may be in your community which is laudable uh, but this allows you to have a broader impact on the water sector so I did the three years on the board and I was like I'm having too much fun can't go away because when I got on I was like there's no way I'm gonna be president and people would say no you should do that I'm like absolutely not I don't want to do this I don't like speaking in public I don't like any of that stuff not gonna happen and yeah when the third year was coming up I was like I can't go away there's things to be done and there's too much fun to have so I ended up putting in to be an officer so vice president then president-elect president and then immediate past president so I've got two more years okay so. so two more years left on the board yeah okay uh, yeah I was uh, gonna ask you about the process <laughs> and I, there seems, seems to be so you're only are you the president for one yes. year yes so you generally can join the board as a trustee and that's a three-year term okay. that's how I first got on yeah and then we have six of those so the board is 12 um, one of whom is our executive director as the secretary who's not a voting member and then you have six trustees and the rest are officers including our treasurer so when our treasurer's position is open you can't there's you can apply or nominate to be on a treasurer or you can come as a trustee you can also do vice president but mostly those come from the ranks of the trustees because it's really good to have some experience because once I got on the board I realized how much I did not know about WEF and the behemoth that it can be and all the various aspects. I really came through the committee side. We have our member association, our house of delegates. There's so many, you know, our spot, there's so many ways that you can come at it. But yeah, so I, to do that part, you apply as vice president and that's an automatic rotation. And each one of those is a four year, it's four years total, but it's vice president, president elect, president and immediate past president. And it's very useful to have that transition but it's also useful to have that continuity like for me Jamie Eichenberger came before me and then I've got Amy Colleen and um, Howard Carter coming right after me and we're pretty much in sync with how our strategic plan is going so it really gives that continuity as we work together to make sure that there's some continuity for the organization as well so and well, we share the load so that's a, a great segue into my next question which is 
you're talking about strategic plan and yes. it sounds like it's ongoing. So <laughs> what is sort of your vision for WEF uh, as the president? To be the most amazing, well, it already is, <laughs> organization it is, but um, for other people to realize that it is. But we just finished our up last, our most recent update. Actually, it's not an update, it's an entirely new strategic plan. So we just finished that, rolled that out publicly at WEFTEC this year. We hadn't done a major one since, I think it was 2011. It definitely has been a while. We've refreshed it a couple of times, but the world is absolutely very different. And it's, you know, water especially is changing a lot faster. And so it, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic and, you know, a lot, all of that disruption, it just made sense for us to try to disrupt ourselves a little bit. So we kind of put that old strategic plan, kind of blew it up a bit and spent the last probably definitely more than a year, probably 14 months or so working through that strategic plan. And the first four months or so of it was very extending sort of extensive kind of data gathering. So we spent a lot of time interviewing the board, staff, parts of our leadership. We spent a lot of time, last WEFTEC did a lot of focus groups of our various stakeholders, right? So our industrial partners, our young professionals, our operators, manufacturers. We had a lot of focus groups around that. We also had a survey of our membership. We interviewed people and had an opportunity to connect with luminaries outside of the sector, but who are very impacted by water and ask them, what do you need out of this organization and where does water need to go, right? So we could understand where we would lead in taking us there. And so once we had done that sort of data gathering, we worked with our strategic planning consultant to really then focus the board as a strategic advisory committee for the strategic plan to develop that. And so the plan that we came out with is really a reflection of essentially what our members and what the sector told us needs to happen. What are a couple highlights okay. uh, in terms of goals uh, yeah. that you have outlined? So I would say the thing that the folks really told us was the thing that they valued about WEF was the community and how they come here to be inspired and to get the tools that were necessary to then go out into their communities and do the work, right, to basically solve water challenges. And so that seemed to be the overwhelming goal, certainly my goal of why I'm in the sector, is so that everyone has a life that's free of water challenges. So that became our vision, essentially, a life free of water challenges. And then, again, the mission is really around what folks told us, is that this is the place to come, to be inspired, to go out and pursue what the ultimate goal is, human and environmental well-being. So that's related to our mission. Workforce massively came out from every, everyone you talk to, every sphere, whether it be operations, engineering, or whatever. We just don't have enough workforce to do all that needs to be done, um, especially with increased investment coming in, even though we would need even more. We just don't have that. And then also that diverse workforce, and, and whether that be you know gender, race, or whatever, but the, all of the different professions and new professions that we need to do with water in the way that it needs to be done moving forward, whether that be more equitable, much more public engagement and stakeholder engagement as we do our work. And so there's, you know, communications jobs and public education, all those different jobs that we haven't really necessarily thought of as water jobs before, but absolutely are water jobs and are necessary and, are, you know, becoming increasingly more digital. And so how do we bring folks in? How do we, you know, skill them up? 
um, and all that. So that's really around that. That's goal one. Our goal two is really around the community inside TOEF. How do we cultivate that community, make sure that we make the connections, foster that collaboration, give them the tools, the education, all of that stuff that they need. So really trying to make us a little bit more modern in how we do that. So that's that's around goal two. And then the circular water economy leading that transformation. A lot of the work that we do is around resource recovery and recovering resources. I think we've really recognized that over the last few years, but sort of amplifying that in terms of, especially in the face of climate change and all of those issues, how do we really extract the value that's in our wastewater and, and, and so on, and then, you know, biosolids and all of that stuff how do we extract those resources and get value for them their product right they're not just something that we sort of and and that may happen we treat it we put it in the water that was you know maybe 50 years ago and something but now we've really transformed but that requires partnerships as well outside of the sector agriculture you know food and beverage and you know all of that sort of stuff so really a focus, we're making a focus on really expanding those partners to folks outside of the sector who really are kind of in the sector because water is important to everybody, basically. So, What do you think the biggest change you've seen since you started in the water industry to where you are now? And what, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, the industry is changing very fast, the right. challenges are changing quickly, that also the technologies and capabilities are advancing faster. But what are you seeing as some of those really big changes or pivots that you've had to make now that you're in this leadership role? I would say the biggest change, which you kind of alluded to a bit, when I first came in the sector, which wasn't really that long ago, it, it definitely was really slow. Like I remember the first you know, several years of my career, I was like, I'm doing the same thing that it seemed like when the folks invented activated sludge, they were doing that. And, you know, I was, I found it interesting, but it was like, wow, the pace is really slow. And in the last few years, a lot more focus on innovation and getting that innovation out into practice, whatever that might be, and looking at different processes, different ways of doing things, understanding that we have to do our projects and delivery of the services differently so that everyone benefits. And, you know, historically, and this is all infrastructure, you know, certain parts of our population have maybe borne the brunt of the infrastructure being built and not really so much the benefit and a lot more focus on the people part of why we do what we do and making sure that everyone is benefiting or at least sharing in the disadvantages as well. So I think, again, becoming more innovative, really more focusing on who it is that we're doing it for and us putting something in, and a little bit more thought about what does that mean for the future, right? So we put it in and never really gave thought about, okay, how are we gonna operate this? How long does it last? What does it require for us to do it? So I think for me, the main change is the thought of how we do it and how we build it more resilient, you know, thinking about, okay, how do we operate it long-term? How do we make sure it stays here long-term? And all of those different things that I think is a good shift that I've seen from when I started, where it was just like, yeah, we just, here's the design guidelines and we'll put it in the same way we do, no matter where we put it. And that can't work, right? It has to be a little bit more tailored to the application that you're putting it in. So. Yeah, I feel like that theme is running through several podcasts. Mm-hmm. I had Patrick Decker and Hayati Akardish on, and they were talking about how same thing it's more about the people and educating them and Mm -hmm. unfortunately there's a lot of challenges with water right now so it's more in the spotlight than it's ever been before but 
we have an opportunity and right. and we approach it optimistically to help again people understand what this is and then yeah bring them through the whole process so. yeah and i think that's also one of the things that are really changed we tended to be fairly hidden and we barely talked to ourselves we certainly didn't talk outside and so you heard about water when it was something bad and somebody else told that story for us instead of us telling it and certainly a lot more emphasis but we need to do even better than that the telling the story but outside of water and consistently so that if something happens we are credible it's it's not you can't really like wait for the thing to happen and you've never engaged with your community and never told the story and then show up and think that someone's going to really believe your side or or even listen to you right so you've got to do that consistently and we've got to do a better job of telling those stories about the people in the sector and the work that we're doing a to bring people into the sector but also to bring investment into the sector to foster those collaborations with the people that we need to do it with right and get the good stories out there because there's yeah, lots absolutely. of good stories more than the bad but we only see the bad sometimes well, the people, like you said earlier, the people that are in this business, mm -hmm. whether they're in WEF or they're in other parts of the water sector, are just incredibly passionate, driven people. Oh, and yes. it's, it's just like just sitting across <laughs> from you, your, your passion is like palpable about what you do and how excited you are to be doing it. Wanted to ask you a question about Xylem mm -hmm. because Xylem and WEF have been partners for a long time. What are you most excited about when it comes to working with Xylem? I think to continue the partnership, but to be creative about what could be done differently. I know, you know, a lot of folks, they think, oh yeah, the exhibit hall and all those things. But, you know, Xylem has been very generous in terms of partnering with us on our chief medical officer with Inflow. And, you know, so as we're moving forward with the strategic plan, how we can think creatively about what we can do to move that forward that isn't necessarily in the traditional ways that we do it, that we can curate those kind of partnerships that are mutually beneficial to the sector, but also to, to Xylem. I'd like to see that for much more organizations. But yeah, those are, you know, a lot of the chief medical officer and the and inflow are really more around the people than the equipment. Both are so important for the sector. And, and so, you know, I think the partnership has been really good, very fruitful, but like, how can we like really expand upon that and do that as far as the storytelling and the workforce and the circular water economy and all those things as we sort of act, get into the activation phase of the uh, strategic plan. How can we, you know, amplify that relationship, I think so. Just a couple more questions for you. Mm -hmm. One is about WEFTEC because we're here at WEFTEC. Yes. So how has the show been going for you? <laughs> and it seems like it's an awesome, it's been an awesome have year. you been to WEFTEC before? Yes, okay, yeah, good. several yeah. times, and it's just, I don't know. I love it when it comes to New Orleans, but I also just, this year particularly, just seems like a great energy. Yes, and it's just been like, awesome. Yeah, lots of people. Yeah, I'm, I mean, we're waiting to see what the end results end up, but I think we at least double probably what, you know, Chicago was last year, which was our first one since the pandemic. But like looking around, it really looked like a much more normal show. Like last year looked like WEFTEC and it was great because it was great to see people. And that was probably still bigger than what we had had in a while. But this looked very much more normal. I was telling somebody earlier that like yesterday I had a meeting that was down by the Great Hall. And then I had to do the WEFTEC Live that was on the whole other end. And I'm like booking it. 
but going through the exhibit hall, I could barely move. And I was like, excuse me, excuse me. And I was like, this is great. At the same time, could you move so I could <laughs> get to where I'm going? Because the floor was just absolutely crowded. And I was talking to some of the sponsors and they said they just got a lot of traffic, a lot of you know, the exhibitors, a lot of traffic, a lot of leads, which is excellent. But then a lot of connections were made. Hopefully folks learned a lot too. I didn't have, a, in, you know, the board gets to be fairly involved and we're certainly busy, but I don't know the last time I've been able to go to a technical session. One day I will be able to do that again, but I saw that there was a lot of great content um, on programming and have gotten a lot of great feedback from people. But just to see people talking in the hall and making connections, I feel like that is always the highlight of WefTech for me, the networking and the seeing old friends and meeting new ones and new connections. That's the best part. Yep, so. we've talked about that too. Another theme of the week is just, it's a large show, right? A yeah. large community, of, but it's also tight-knit. It is. So you see people that you might not have seen and they're in a different role somewhere else, but they're still all in the water sector. So we yeah. all play. Yeah, and I feel like that's been useful. Like I live in Tampa and Although I do work in many states, still I don't do them all in every project in every state. But one of the benefits has been if I see a challenge that maybe someone else in my organization hasn't, I know people to call that I've generally met from engagement in WEF and WEF committees or seen them on the floor or whatever. And I'm like, have you seen this issue? Or, you know, so-and-so said that they, you installed this equipment or whatever, or I could make that connection for someone and so like a lot of times people, the result of the networking connections doesn't necessarily happen from here. It may even be two years from now, but it's just like my career and probably my work would look a lot different if I didn't have these opportunities or engage. And so the focus really is to how do I get more people to be able to have those connections and have those opportunities so we can kind of collectively do even better work for the communities well, that sounds we're doing like you're now, doing so. amazing things with your team so. with WEF and with Arcadis too so, so anything else you want to share with our audience about WEF or WEF tech your role anything like that um I would say as far as WEF and it's probably to you know whichever companies or whatever are listening is just get more allow your folks or encourage your folks to get more involved Again, the, you know, especially young professionals, I think some of them have a hard time getting support to be able to participate. I see a lot of asylum YPs around and stuff like that. Uh, some of them are friends of mine. And they all, if you talk to any of them that get to be engaged, they just tell you how much that has impacted their career. I got to do leadership things in WEF before it ever got to do that in Arcadis. But then I did that even better. And so there's a lot of just learning and, and development of all the soft skills that employers say that they need but don't necessarily teach you get to learn them here right and you get to make those connections that just ultimately make you a better employee and so encourage especially you know and the operators and all of that sort of stuff just to, to become members of WEF and and getting get engaged and um, there's a place for you here well I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and your experience and how you kind of came into the water industry and what you're passionate about. I do have one final question for yes. you, and I ask it of every solving water guest, <laughs> okay. and that is, what is the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? That it's about the people and who you do it for. Um, I think you got to keep that top of mind. Perfect. Mic right. drop. <laughs> Ifatayo, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I cannot wait to have you back on the show again. 
is that him soon? Yeah, that's a, uh, <laughs> anytime, yeah. anytime, anytime. Unveiled. Okay, so. great. Thank you so much. Thank you. A big thank you to all our Solving Water listeners for joining me for today's episode, one of nine in our WefTech 2022 series. And a shout out to all our guests who made the time in New Orleans to have such interesting and meaningful discussions. Links to more info for each show will be included in individual episode show notes. And let me know what you think of our content here at Solving Water, a Xylem podcast, by contacting me, Amanda Holloway, directly at amanda.holloway at xylem.com or find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone.